The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair, the Truman Show. On the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's a gorgeous day if it really wasn't so cold and the wind wasn't blowing and uh, a lot of humidity in the air. It's a good late fall day. It's pretty outside. Oh, you think so? You just need to wrap up a little bit. Why Why don't you wear one of your UT sweatsuits? Oh, I wish I had one. Would you buy me one for uh, <laughs> for it. the next game coming up when Tennessee plays Vanderbilt? Oh, is it a home game? Uh, it's a home game. Oh. Uh, and uh, I hope cold. all the UT fans go because I really believe we may be going to a really nice bowl game this year. So I'm I'm tickled to death about it. And but you 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 yourself, Greg Tucker. You're so uh, up in high society, you probably wouldn't have the time to go there. You were at the uh, uh, Murfreesboro Museum or the Rutherford County Museum yesterday. Well, you mean Rutherford County has a museum? Well, since when? Since you started it. Since yesterday. Yes, yeah, <laughs> since yesterday. And you were one of the main, you were the main speaker, you and Marty. And I was so proud of you guys. And uh, you're um, you, you, you're the one that makes it work. And and that is uh, I don't know how you find the time being a farmer. Uh, well, I, I presume that you make Mentoriette do all that heavy farm work while you're out there enjoying the the, the political scene and and uh, structuring Rutherford County the way you would like to have it done. Uh, when you get I'm, through, I'm, I'm just so proud of you. you know, when you get through running with all the misinformation, I'll tell you <laughs> a little bit about the museum. Yeah. You know, over the last decade, I've been the, the county historian. I can't yeah. count the number of times people came up to me or in conversation would say, we need a local museum. We need something for our, our local history. How come we don't have a local museum? We ought to start a local museum. Well, a few years back, I found out that a good friend of mine was going to run for county mayor. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, now here's a chance to see if I can help get something started. So I approached him, and just as soon as I said something, a museum, he started telling me of his plans. Yeah. And he was three, four, five steps ahead of me. Uh, That's as unusual. To, as to where it would go and how it would be developed and what have you. So I told the people yesterday when I was invited to say a few words at the ribbon cutting that uh, none of them should ever complain that you don't know any politician who doesn't deliver on his campaign promise. Mm-hmm. 
because yesterday we cut the ribbon on the new uh, Rutherford County Museum. And Who the, used the scissors? Uh, our mayor, of course, yeah. did the okay. cutting. All right. And uh, it's on the, you could enter it from a number of different ways, but it's on the south side of the courthouse, the part that used to be the Office of Technology, mm -hmm. our uh, sophisticated hardware. Uh, is now, uh, I would say, beautifully done. Uh, very impressive, the professional way in which it has been done so far. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very long on, uh, I'd say, information and visuals, pictures and such. Uh, we're a little short on artifacts right now, which is what we would expect. Uh, and I want to encourage anybody who has what they think is a interesting artifact with some history, history of Rutherford County, to consider uh, either loaning or donating uh, to the local museum. Uh, we have a good start. Dr. E.C. Talbert has provided quite a few pieces, mm -hmm. uh, ranging from furniture to other instruments and such. Uh, from his personal collection. And uh, Mike Lyles has uh, put on, has made available uh, some uh, military hardware, some swords and such from the Civil War era, which mm -hmm. is impressive. Uh, but there's a, a lot of room for other artifacts. In fact, one area where I thought, I know there's a lot of stuff available from the maneuvers back before uh, D -Day. In the early 40s. Yeah, before yeah. D-Day that uh, we ought to bring together there. Uh, if nothing else to illustrate how the county was littered, uh, literally, with uh, military material uh, as part of the maneuvers activity. Uh, but it's a very interesting, well, I can tell you my favorite room, just a quick walk through yesterday is where you stand in the middle of the room and it's like looking around the square, uh, pictures blown up to wallpaper side. You look from that position. If you look west, you're looking down West Main Street from mm -hmm. 100 years ago or more. And uh, that's interesting because you see all the names on the buildings. And uh, I've always said uh, when there's a, a disagreement as to what something was or where it was, show me a picture. And, uh, you know, you can settle it real quick. So. Are a lot of them enlarged pictures oh, that's what that I'm you saying. have on the it, wall? It's like wallpaper. Yeah. So the whole side of the room. And uh, right now it's uh, one of the four, four rooms. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> the room I'm talking about, my favorite so far, the theme is clearly the square. Mm -hmm. The development of the... Of the around the square, the buildings. How uh, far go? How does it go back? The pictures that are, are on the wall. I uh, just at a glance, it was easily early uh, 1900s, oh, 1920s. Wow. Uh, you look at the cars and the like. West Main is not paved. Mm -hmm. Looks like it's uh, gravel at best. Uh, but proud of the museum already and. Uh, uh, you can spread the credit around appropriately, but really it was our county mayor, Bill Ketron, who said, we're going to have a museum and I know where to put it. We're going to use the space at the courthouse and uh, encouraged all of us to make some contribution. 
John Lodel, our archivist, is a key yeah. figure in, in developing it. Uh, Van West, a state historian, played a principal role in developing it. And then uh, quite a few of us, including, and I introduced uh, Marty Luffman yesterday <clears throat> in his wheelchair, uh, but he's getting around and, and uh, making progress on his way back. And he was there in his mechanized wheelchair. And Nothing's going to keep Marty. And came forward and made a few remarks. Uh, Marty was part of the original group that gathered to talk about the museum. Mm -hmm. uh, I consider Marty the uh, historian for Smyrna in the northern part of the county. Yeah. And uh, uh, his tragic disabling accident, of course, took him out of the activity of the last six months. But uh, he was there and promised everybody that he was going to continue to be very active. And I was, I was proud of him for getting there. Do you have many photographs, pictures of the 30s, 40s, and the 50s? I know a lot of us, um, that, that brings back a lot of memories for people who are my age, even older, that uh, that that has some of the fondest memories for me, and and what it had to offer because of well, the square was still the heart of, of yeah. Rutherford County. Well, uh, generally to answer your question, the Rutherford County Historic Society has been over the last couple of years aggressively collecting pictures from private collections, mm -hmm. most of which are being put online, and. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how I would recommend you access it, but they're labeled and indexed uh, so you can uh, find what you're looking for, hopefully. And, for example, I added a few a couple of weeks ago. I had some pictures of the old Shiloh School. Mm -hmm. And those of us our age remember Shiloh as a black school, black community on the east side of Murfreesboro. But if you go back further enough, which is pre-1940, there were two Shiloh schools, a white school and a black school, not unusual for that segregated era. And uh, I came across in the collection of uh, uh, Thomas Adams pictures of the 1935 and I think a 1920 and the last class, which I think was a 1940 uh, school picture of... Uh, Shiloh, mm -hmm. with uh, the teachers and, and such there. And we put those up. So if anybody is doing any research on the Shiloh School that disappeared in, I believe it's 1940 was the last year. The kids, the elementary school kids, was an elementary school, uh, were moved to Halls Hill School at that mm -hmm. point. And it left just the black Shiloh School, which continued up until the end of segregation. Just uh, an example. Oh, and we came across a picture of a family, father, mother, and looked like uh, maybe a 10-year-old child uh, showing off their era automobile. Big, <laughs> and trying to look at it from the side. Uh, the picture is a good full picture of the car, and we believe it's a big Ford touring car. Uh, the big, big models of that era would be the 1920s. And uh, I believe it's some of the Adams family, but uh, invite anybody to 
to go online and uh, peruse. I'd say we've got several thousand pictures on uh, online now, many of which have been added in the last two, three years as we got aggressive about uh, if you've got a scrapbook, you don't know what to do with it, donate it to the Historic Society and we'll uh, put online the pictures that might be of interest to everybody or anybody and uh, build our collection. You know, the square was famous for its parades over the years. Uh, the, the Christmas time, General MacArthur, uh, all of those things. Do you have any of that? Because I, I'm sure that people at home do have pictures uh, of, of those well, one pretty of them, prominent things that were going on. Yeah, coincidentally, I was looking at one of the pictures at the new museum, which is blown up, which is MacArthur sitting in the car. Mm -hmm. And whoever was, was... it broke down at the time? The fellow who was looking with me said, I, th I think I remember they had a flat tire or something right there yeah, in the they square. Had, they had I said, well, it, it wasn't a flat tire. No. It, was, it was an engine problem. Yeah. And... Uh, the car died and sat for a little bit right in front of uh, Mullins Jewelers at the time. And uh, Mr. Mullins, uh, I talked to him a number of times before he died. He says he remembers looking out from upstairs uh, down into the car. I had a good picture, a good view of in the car. They got the car going again and made it all the way to, I think, the high school area. And it broke down again. And they were trying to get to the college for a ceremony. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of fraternity boys pushed it the last mile or two to get it there. Well, and at I said, the high school, you remember, they were trying to recruit General MacArthur's son to come oh, to yeah, school there. Trying, well, they tried to get him interested in being part of the scout troop yeah. and coming to school down here. And I think he was intimidated by all of it because he even later in life changed his name but uh, <laughs> that's another long story uh, but uh, I, I speculate and I have absolutely no reason to believe that it was uh, uh, sabotage but the car was not a local car it was a Rolls Royce yeah. borrowed from somebody in the next county we won't name which county has Rolls Royces back then and uh, apparently wasn't ready to run we know we have a caller on the line already. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Uh, good morning. Uh, Y'all talking about Shiloh out there on Halls Hill Pike, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was born in that first house right there on at Shiloh and uh, Halls Hill Pike. My grandfather owned all of Shiloh there, John Lowe. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie well, Lowe was a humpback feller. He was my uncle. It rode a horse and buggy. The last name is Lowe, L-O-W-E? Uh, did you ever know Charlie Lowe? He was a humpback guy. He stayed with, uh, he stayed with Annie Maud over on uh, Happy Hill sometime. Hmm. Well, where, did oh, oh, where did you go to school? I went one day to Kittrell. My daddy sold that place there. And Jim Henry Martin lived in behind me, and Pete Rucker lived right across the road from me. 
Uh, he was, those were black people lived in, one of them lived in behind me, and one of them lived right across the road. And we was neighbors back then. You'd go in each other's house, but you can't do it now. What uh, years are you talking about? Well, I don't oh. know. I'm 68. I, I, I probably was about seven years old when I lived in that house. It's still there on the corner of Flat Rock and Halls Hill Pike, and that shallow Come on up to the top of the hill. Yeah, so you're talking probably the early 50s, 1950s. Oh, yeah. I am probably am, yeah. But that yeah. that was the good old days. I heard you talking about shallow, and I said, I want to talk to somebody about shallow there. Well, you remember oh. when it was very much a mixed community, or was it... Uh, Oh, he, he was Murfreesboro was small. The only way to Nashville is old Nashville Highway. My grandfather throw me up on the wagon, take me to the market yard in Nashville. Wow. Murfreesboro was a small place. <laughs> well, I heard someone brag yesterday. I think he was a, an official that we're now the fourth largest county in the state of Tennessee. Yes, sir. But that was the good old days, back in ho Boogie and Horse Day. Well, we enjoy hearing your your memories of it. Yeah, I enjoy y'all, because, uh, hey, I, I was born, in, I, I didn't go to the hospital out there. I was born in that house there. And Nickens is my name. Nickens? Yeah. And I know Truman and uh, yep. uh, Vanus Black was kin to me. They used to fight roosters out there at Walter Hill. <laughs> hey, they wouldn't stop them neither. The police wouldn't stop them. <laughs> Y'all have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. I got a call, but I've, I've, he, he didn't want to be on the radio, so. All right, Truman. I'm, I'm putting out a number for you to call. Yeah, Truman's making some notes on my notes. It was uh, I was pleased and impressed by the turnout yesterday at the ribbon cutting. We filled the entire uh, commission chamber upstairs. Uh, the main floor was packed, and uh, I'd say the balcony was very close to filled. And uh, people were patient while everybody patted everybody else on the back for uh, uh, actually getting a new museum here for Rutherford County. All right. You're a popular fella. Yeah, Thomas Adams called in, and I'll call him after the show, which is he his request. He's the one that uh, loaned me the pictures of Shiloh. Wow. Uh, which I need to get back to him. And uh, you've right. not only collected a lot of history f from the people here in Rutherford County, you've made a lot of friends off of that, also. Oh, yeah, I enjoy sitting down with someone. And my first question, if they look like they're my age or older, is, Are you a native of Rutherford County? Uh huh. And uh, when they are, then I know we can get back into some old details. Uh, if they're not, I usually follow with, Well, what brought you to Rutherford County and when? And uh, it's interesting, the different reasons. Very often it relates to the college. Uh, 
as you yeah. would expect. And uh, beyond that, you got all kinds of different reasons to become a long-time resident of this area. Now, some of the history that you're looking for, it, it includes different decades. It, 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 when you go back to, uh, so, this is such an old area here in Rutherford County, it, it, it's hard to put it all together, the history, in that one building, isn't it? it but, oh, well, it will always be difficult to, uh, anytime you have limited space, uh, for a museum, you're always going to end up with a, an attic somewhere mm -hmm. for the overflow. And for that reason, we'll probably be rotating uh, exhibits once we begin to fill with the artifacts and such. Will, will you ever do something like this particular decade for a, a month or two and then go on? Or uh, how, how long do you, do you um, look for uh this particular uh, group of history that you have in the courthouse right now, how long, or, or is it going to be in a constant state of change? Well, it depends on uh, what uh, we get either donated or loaned to us. Yeah. And uh, perhaps we'll react to some themes. Uh, all that's what we look forward to. Mm -hmm. An immediate interest is going to be volunteers to serve as docents, interpreters, guides, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. Uh, there will be a security personnel, but uh, we need volunteers to answer questions because I expect that we're going, I hope we get a lot of uh, out-of-town visitors. Yeah. People come into the area for whatever reason uh, and learn that there is a uh, local museum Mm -hmm. uh, we hope to get visits, and uh, we're going to keep it open on the weekends as well as during the week. And uh, by the way, the, there is a very uh, sophisticated-looking security system. Every room in the museum as well as the hallway and around the building is under camera. Mm -hmm. And I visited with Frederick, who was the security detail yesterday, and he showed me and explained to me uh, he must have, oh, look like two dozen, no, three dozen, four dozen uh, little screens in front of him so he can mm -hmm. monitor every bit of the space. And I said, where are you? And uh, sure enough, there's one camera that's on him uh, It comes up on the monitor. So uh, it's secure. But uh, to me, the more important is uh, volunteers who can interpret and explain and re relate to questions. We've already put together some literature, which will be uh, like out at the Chamber of Commerce building and other places, uh, making people aware that there is a museum and inviting them to the museum. So uh, uh, we should get begin to get uh, tourism, tourist visits as well as the local people, who was, I think it was uh, one of your buddies, Paul Johnson, that said we ought to make it a requirement for high school degrees. Uh, you can't graduate until you visited the museum and, and learned uh, something about our local history. What about the historical society? Is, is that a, a good place to go to find volunteers uh, well, to be there? Uh, oh, because yeah. they're all so interested in it. We'll, we'll promote it. 
Uh, I'm sure. Uh, our new president who goes into office first of the year, Pettus Reed, I'm sure will be aggressive about uh, inviting and encouraging volunteers uh, mm -hmm. for the museum. And uh, the society took advantage of the gathering. Uh, well, the society still has a collection of several thousand books written and printed by uh, CBR Net, uh, mm -hmm. a close relationship friend of mine before he died several years ago and he left his entire inventory and I think he was a little bit over ambitious, printed thousands of books that he wrote. Uh, he wrote about what he had heard and what he had seen and uh, rarely checked it for accuracy, but uh, he gives a good feel for the periods that he was familiar with in his writings. And then his book on the homes, the old homes on East Main is a good reference that I use from time to time because he uh, uh, was involved with the people who were the residents and the owners uh, through his lifetime. And uh, we gave away yesterday, we the society, I don't know how many we offered one to everybody or every family that came in. I saw people walking around carrying the the East Main homes and the uh, neighbors book. And uh, if anybody else would like one, drop by Saturday morning and we'll give you we'll give you a copy of the book and uh, and a cup of coffee and a cup of coffee. And uh, Carol White, uh, our uh, publications chairman. Uh, made the comment that uh, please take a book. Our floor in the back of the building would very much appreciate it because uh, you stack up thousands of hard copy books. You got a lot of weight on that floor. And we had to redo one side of it already. So it'd be nice to get a little weight off. And we're not worried about running out of books because I got a property with a basement that also has quite a few of the. Uh, CB's inventory in it. Have you been shocked by the interest that's been displayed in the history of Rutherford County? We saw it coming back in 2006, 2007, 2008. I can remember discussing with my wife the uh, interest I had in writing a column about local history. Mm -hmm. And we were a little unsure about how it would be received. And uh, at the time, dealing with uh, some friends out the Daily News Journal, they were a little unsure about how it'd be received. But we decided it was worth giving it a try. And the uh, first article was run on uh, Monday morning, which was the lowest readership day. And uh, I got a call, I think on Wednesday, that said, we're going to move you to the Sunday edition. And uh, the reception was amazing uh, and continued to build. So, no, I'm not surprised uh, by the high level of interest now uh, because we could see it building and developing. Part of it is, I think, the, uh, the greatest generation. We've Back then, we're coming to the point where we were losing them at a rapid yeah. pace. And uh, we all, I think, began to think, hey, we're losing a important part of our history and uh, we should be making an effort to preserve it so i think that had a lot to do with the timing yeah 
We say let's take a break. Yes, let's do that. All right, we'll be right back with Greg Tucker. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, I'm Larry Castelli, and I love living at Adams Place. It's very friendly. Everyone here seems to want to make friends and be your friend. And the staff is fabulous. Betsy, who is the director of activities, is fabulous. She's always having something going on. We have music at least once a week, wine and cheese, and there's all sorts of different type of activities. I would highly recommend Adam's Place. Don't wait to put an end to junk sleep. Shop Mattress Firm's Black Friday sale and wake up a better you. Save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets. Unjunk your sleep, only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. See details at mattressfirm.com. At the American Lung Association, we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier. We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air, we're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing, and we can use your help. See what you can do at fightingforair.org. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Smyrna's lighting ceremony will be held at 6 o'clock Tuesday night on the lawn outside the Smyrna Event Center. Santa and Mrs. Claus will be arriving just in time to help the town council turn on the Christmas lights. Free photos with Santa will be inside the event center following the lighting ceremony. Those photos provided by Smyrna Fire and Smyrna Police. Members of the Tennessee National Guard are stocking up thanks to donated care packages from the country music star Miranda Lambert. On Sunday, Guard members at the Clarksville Armory received packages from Fort Care and Lambert's Mutt Nation nonprofit organization. Nashville-based Fort Care provides military families with grocery items and Mutt Nation helps homeless pets. Fort Care provided the soldiers with hygiene boxes and Mutt Nation with dog food for their canine companions. Governor Bill Lee recently signed legislation ending a provision that Tennessee's businesses require face masks while in their facilities. However, federal regulations still apply to medical facilities and such services as exempt from state sanctions. As a result, Murfreesboro Medical Clinic will continue to require anyone using their facilities to wear a mask, a policy in effect at all Murfreesboro Medical Clinic locations. Low-income Middle Tennessee State University students needing help with child care costs can apply for about 40 grants of around $1,000 each semester beginning the fall of 2022. 
The program put into place as the child care lab at Womack Lane Apartments closes will allow MTSU to expand greatly the number of students seeking assistance. Families using the child care lab this semester will be eligible for grants starting in January. News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. Hey, it's Men's Health Month, so be sure to get all your levels tested with a comprehensive annual health assessment at Low T Center. They'll check all your levels, not just your testosterone levels. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, notice weight gain and loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now, Low T Center offers the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for only $155 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. And they can ship directly to your home. Uh, let me say again, it's only $155 a month for monitored self-inject treatments, and they ship directly to you. At Low T Center, most insurance is accepted. Be sure to book your appointment online right now at LowTCenter.com. That's LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Mainly sunny this afternoon, high in the upper 40s. Tonight, mainly clear, low near 22, high of 50 on Tuesday. Lots of sun. Wednesday, high of 60. I'm meteorologist Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 38. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100 or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100 or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back uh, with the Greg Tucker Show. And the next few minutes are, are is, is the part where he tries to completely embarrass Truman Jones. So... Uh, uh, now that's I, not I'm a, the target. Uh, that's not least. a fair character. Yes, it is. It most certainly is. Hey, we got a call on the line, so let, let's go to that one. <laughs> Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Good morning, Mr. Truman. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. Good yes, morning. Sir. I have a question for your, either of you. Um, I've always heard that there was an underground stream running beneath uh, uh, Broad Street. They used to have a lot of problems before they put the overpass there about the pavement uh, rolling out and stuff. Just wanted to ask that question, see if you knew anything about it, sir. Well, yes, and uh, there's some truth to it. Uh, the uh, two springs, which are now part of the Discovery Wetlands, the uh, Sand Spring, which was a heavy flow, and the uh, Murphy Spring, which was a flow out of the cave there, came together and formed, uh, I guess the most common term for it was Town Creek at the time. I'm talking about uh, 
early 1900s. And it flowed from uh, the area back of what now is the Discovery Center and wandered, uh, as streams do in this part of the country, uh, east-west, uh, as it flowed actually kind of north from those areas. And if you go back and look at about a 1900s map of the city, you'll see that there's about six, seven, eight little bridges because uh, it had to go under uh, a number of intersections. Came up, if you'll uh, look at the lay of the land, it flowed up towards the courthouse until it came to the where the uh, land begins to rise and cut across and then went back under. So it's flowing under Castle Street and uh, Front Street and Hilliard uh, and uh, was still there, uh, but in culverts and such uh, in the 1930s. Right after the uh, World War II in the late 40s, the uh, Urban Renewal Project and the uh, Southeast Broad or all of Broad Street was being developed. I remember Broad Street wasn't there until the early 1950s. And at that time, they completely encased the creek and rerouted it, uh, but it still flows under the Southeast Broad in some places. And then uh, Hickerson Street, which is a lot of folklore about Hickerson Street, but anyway, it flows under Hickerson now and comes out just short of Cannonsburg, the little pioneer village that was developed in the 1970s. It rises there, and then uh, uh, at the northwest side of Cannonsburg, it flows into Lytle Creek. So yeah, you're correct. It uh, is a, a stream flowing under parts of Southeast Broad uh, actually, I think it's Northwest Broad as well, right there at the intersection of uh, South Church and Broad. And uh, from the maps, you can trace it exactly. I remember writing about how many little bridges there were in uh, the early days of the 1900s uh, crossing it. The creek served, the town creek served as our sewage, <laughs> sewage system. Uh, Primarily the uh, industry and businesses down in uh, the area now around what's Cannonsburg, uh, where that is. Uh, they all dumped into the Town Creek, and uh, that was the way things were done back in those days. I believe he's gone. Uh, well, that, let me turn to a little unrelated. I could have kept him on here. <laughs> no unrelated trivia. This mm -hmm. you'll see my interest or what prompted me to follow up on this because there's something there that I've always taken a personal interest in. Uh, but I know you were a you are a big baseball fan. Yes. And have particularly a, a vast knowledge of the period when we were all growing up early 50s, late 40s, maybe early 50s. Uh, the, That's the time of New York, New York City. Yeah. Well, the Red Sox were still around. In yeah, they time. were. Yeah. And they were they were around, struggling sometimes. But uh, what uh, prominent baseball player, professional of that period, uh, 
was a Corsair pilot. Ted Williams. Very good. Now, see, everybody's impressed. Very few people would have come up with that immediately. Baseball fans would not miss that. Uh, that well, a yeah. dedicated baseball fan like yourself. Yeah. Ted Williams is a very young man. I have a picture of him when he was sworn in, took the oath uh, as a uh, military. He was a Marine mm -hmm. and uh, was probably uh, pressured by the draft but then volunteered. Dropped out of baseball. and uh, He was at the top of his game during that period. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, the little article that I noted, he was uh, an extraordinary Hall of Famer for baseball, but how much better could he have been if he hadn't lost the time during that prime? Uh, but he got called up twice. Yeah. And the as, best hitter in the game at that time. Yeah. As uh, was typical of the military during the war period, World War II, and then later in Korea, when they had a celebrity who was volunteering or, or being drafted, they made sure that, uh, well, let's say that usually didn't put them into combat situations. Yeah. Uh, Ted Williams proved to be a very capable pilot flying the Corsair, the F4U-1, mm -hmm. which of course was my father's plane. Uh, but he didn't, Williams was not sent into combat. He was made an instructor, which is yeah. interesting. Coming right out of tra his own training, mm -hmm. he was made an instructor and served, I think, two years during the height of the war, World War I, uh, II, excuse me. Then went back to playing baseball and got called up again for the same purpose in the Korean War period mm -hmm. and again was training on the Corsair. Corsair is one of the few planes that uh, played key roles in two wars, World War II and the Korean conflict. Mm -hmm. But Ted Williams was a key player in the training of the pilots for the Corsair. Got another caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Good morning. You know what? Good morning, Casey. Yes, yes. The caller was right. You know what? The brand new library is, right? That's where. When we first moved to Mumsboro, we found out that that was a, he's right about the water, and right there down there by the new library. I heard years ago that was a river down there, up on the ground. I heard yeah, about that. That, was, mm -hmm. that was one of the loops of Town Creek. Went yes, up, sir. Uh, I heard about that. Up we moved under up here. what's now the uh, City Hall Mall. Yes, sir. And, yeah, that's yeah, right. Let me, let me back up a little bit what you all were talking about something else, too. Like, it, it's just, when we moved to Mothersboro, uh, the, the system that we live under, you know, they may be begin to think about, you know, we all had to go to Bradley School. We moved to Poplar Street, and we had to get buses across town, or all that junk. Thank God that's all with. But, you know, they made a big thing out of immigration, which I, 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 I ain't gonna tell you how I felt about that, that mess. Cause look here, we was we were living on Walnut Street. We was already friends. Black and white kids was already friends. We didn't need the system to make us love one another. We went to, we was at Bradley School at first, but when integration come in, thank God, we were started to go to school at Critchlow. Y'all remember that school? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Just so happened they had a football team. <laughs> Y'all gonna really love this. So we went to school up there. They're a football team that hadn't won a ball game. I know some of my friends out there listening. In about 
five or six years. <laughs> Mr. Hedrick, some of my buddies thought I was a pretty good little quarterback. So they said, Casey, come join our team. <laughs> so I got on the football team. We won the first game we played. You would have thought we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm telling you. But we have, you know what? We didn't need the system to make us or show us how to love one another. A lot of times. You're right. We don't need the system. They need to just let us love, keep on loving one another. Yeah. A lot of times. Because we did. We didn't have no problems at all. And as a matter of fact, a guy with I think his name was Doug, he showed me really a lot of stuff. He played guitar, so I hung around him and tried to watch him. See, a lot and of times the system needs to stay out of stuff and let us just yeah. be us. It, uh, it all just let the people. Uh, That's right. Enjoy themselves and, and, and their friends and whatever. That's true. We yeah. didn't have no friends. We didn't have no problems. Yeah. We, we played together. You know what I mean? Just let the kids be themselves. We had, we had a well, ball. You did learn how to, you did how to, you can play the guitar as well as anybody. I appreciate that. I, yeah. I play for love. And, it, and there's no better feeling than to be on stage or be anywhere in church and somebody will come up and they'll, they'll tell me, how it makes them feel. It may, that's what I play for. If, as long as I'm yeah. making people, and maybe, maybe going through bad times, or we all have hard times. And as long yeah. as they can say that that feeling, that, that's what it's about. That's what it's like. Anything in any walk of life, you should want to make somebody feel better. Y'all have isn't, a good it funny, the, isn't it funny the number one uh, four-letter word is love? And that's that's what we all need to that's express. True. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Casey, you still playing anywhere for anybody? That's something that the system kind of tore up too, because we, you know, I played all in oh, town, and you and then it, it put the clubs out of business, and then it put the churches out of business. But now the churches have come back slowly. But I tell you what, I never dreamed of there would be a time. When they just shut everything down, you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, after doing this, you know, every weekend all my life, it was always somebody. Let me tell people this: I've seen a lot of good times in clubs. You like seeing good times in churches. Uh oh, did y'all did y'all hear what I said? Yeah. See, we make good and bad times anywhere we want. Wherever you go is what we do. Y'all have a good day. I enjoy it. You too, Casey. He's right with all the the problems that have happened, happened because of this virus. Uh, people have had to adjust to so many different things because people are affected by it differently. And it's amazing. Why are you looking at me? I'm just looking for cue as to which direction we're going i'm about ready to fall asleep to be perfectly honest with you i'm enjoying the show but uh, this time of morning i don't know what it is because i eat a big breakfast or or whatever it it takes me five or six hours to get on my feet a good example of the type of artifacts we hope to collect at the museum there is in the in the room i was talking of a small cedar bucket and uh, 
the identification on it and looking at it, it certainly would, would pass visual test. Uh, cedar bucket made by the Cedar Bucket Works, which was an early industry in uh, Rutherford County. Isn't there a fairly new big cedar bucket in this community? Fairly new. Well, uh, that's a long history that maybe we can do next week. But uh, I remember reading somewhere <coughs> where uh, one of our local historians of a generation back identified the Cedar Bucket Works as the first industry mm -hmm. uh, in Murfreesboro. Not quite correct, but it is very early pre-Civil War. Uh, John Spence, uh, recognizing the unique resource we had back then, the cedar forest, opened the first bucket works, cedar works. Uh, his place of business was approximately where the Lineball Library is today, the city complex there, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which at the time was on uh, what's now Maple Street. Back then was called Depot Street. Mm -hmm. In fact, some people call it Lebanon Street because it flows into the Lebanon Turnpike, Maple Street. Uh, and that's a digression. Uh, it was not uh, the first, though. It was about 1854 that Spence opened his business making cedar products. Uh, about 20 years, 30 years before that, though, a fellow who's name escapes me at the moment, began making cotton gins here in Murfreesboro. And cotton was an important product, agricultural product in mm -hmm. Rutherford County back in the 1820s. And as soon as uh, uh, was Eli Whitney uh, invented the first cotton gin, mm -hmm. uh, they began manufacturing the simple machinery for cotton gins. And uh, his place of business was where the, uh, approximately where the uh, rover terminal is today. Uh, on, where is uh, the rover terminal? On Walnut Street, corner of Walnut Street, right across from the parking area of the county office building, yeah. uh, where the shelters are, and I think all the rover routes loop into there and out. Uh, so that would be, I, I would say, that was probably the first uh, manufacturing plant, at least the first that we have documented in uh, Murfreesboro. Uh, of course, there were uh, operating water-powered mills, which I would also consider uh, manufacturing industry uh, all over the county following the uh, uh, Stones River's various branches and, and tributaries. Uh, but Spence was not that good a businessman. He started it in 54, and it began failing by the 1860s, and probably influenced by the war, but also it was just he was not able to make it a profitable business. It shut down in 1862 uh, during a period when uh, uh, before the occupation or between occupations. Uh, and did not reopen or reemerge as an industry until after the war. And then uh, it was Yankee money, Yankee business. They uh, 
fellow named Captain Doughty, who had been severely injured in the Stones River battle, a federal uh, captain in the military, mm -hmm. uh, stayed in town and recuperated through the rest of the war. And after the war, he came back into Murfreesboro and brought his family and became a resident of the area and brought something that was very, very important in those years right after the war. He brought money. He had uh, uh, some wealth from business activity uh, up north and he moved everything down here and very quickly became a senior officer in a bank, uh, principal investor in the bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, the bank financed a Nashville company that uh, wanted to basically reopen the Cedar Works. Cedar Works were over on the old, what's now called the Old Salem Pike, about 12 acres there that uh, the Nashville company got. And they opened uh, up a uh, Cedar business financed by Dowdy's Bank. And uh, they failed. And the business uh, and their operations, their equipment and all went up on uh, uh, mortgage sale and the bank took it over and next thing you knew Dowdy personally bought off the uh, bank mortgage and he and his family took over the Cedar Works. He turned it over to his son who operated it for several maybe a decade and then sold it to another out-of-town business industry. Mm -hmm. uh, Pruitt, I'd have to look it up, but uh, they're the ones that built in the early 1890s, a uh, replica, I call it, of a cedar bucket, which was a monster. I think it was eight or 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had an interesting history. They built it in order to promote their business, which was making cedar buckets and other cedar items. And they, they uh, built this huge replica of a cedar bucket for the Columbian Exposition, which was a big World's Fair, we'd call it today, uh, celebrating the 400th anniversary of Columbus uh, first uh, discovering the New World, I guess what you'd call it. And uh, it was uh, in Chicago, and they took the bucket up there to promote the business. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, promote Murfreesboro, Middle Tennessee, this part of the country. And then uh, brought it back, put it on display here. And then when the St. Louis Exposition, another World's Fair, uh, was about 1902, they took it up to show it off and then again promote the industry, the St. Louis Exposition. And that's the one where we've seen the picture, which uh, deceptive, but very interesting. They rigged up the bucket and then leased it to a beer distributor. I don't know whether it was uh, Anheuser-Busch, but probably was somebody related because that's St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And the uh, beer company rigged up a container on the side, inside edge of the bucket, and uh, filled it with beer. Not filling the bucket itself, but filling this container they bolted to the inside. That was for Harry Carey, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, put a man on a platform up there with a dipper, 
giving away beer samples, samples of the beer, and it appeared that he was dipping out of this huge... Big dipper. Yeah, yeah. huge bucket. And uh, many, many years later, uh, Mr. Raglan with the uh, Blacksmith Club over there at Cannonsburg, uh, following up on an unfortunate, very unfortunate act of arson. Someone tried to burn up the bucket it was severely damaged. But Mr. Raglan uh, had occasion to study it closely and dismantle it, what was left of it, to try to preserve some of it. And uh, I talked with him extensively and, and observed some of the forensic work. And you could see where the brackets had been uh, placed on the inside of the bucket mm -hmm. from the damage to the inside wood of the bucket. Uh, but also, Raglan quickly uh, concluded that the bucket was would not have held anything. It uh, would have come apart very quickly because it wasn't really built like the the bucket products. Uh, and there's one on display, as I said, over at the new museum. The tongue and groove uh, between the slats of the bucket uh, is what made it watertight. And at the bottom... The brackets, uh, the slats, fitted into a grooved bottom, and it had uh, uh, a real bucket had bands around it which were strong enough to hold the water pressure from inside the bucket. The big bucket was uh, no no tongue and groove, no uh, uh, setting of the bottom, and uh, the bands around it probably would have snapped with a, a couple of hundred gallons of water because they were light metal, decorative. Uh, so you had the look of the bucket, but uh, it could not have functioned. It couldn't have held any water. And uh, interesting. And you know what? The history of the bucket after the St. Louis Exposition, it came back and uh, the Patterson family bought, bought the Cedar Works in about 1912. And when... Uh, uh, the cedar bucket business and other cedar products went into decline, sold it to a Mr. Krigger. And uh, he uh, got out of the cedar bucket manufacturing business fairly quickly. This is all detailed much more thoroughly. In was one that month. Bill Patterson's family? Well, it, well, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, the owners there for many years yeah. was the Patterson family. He has, uh, Bill has the lamp gallery now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, his father and uncle were the Pattersons who owned and operated it. I believe it was the early 1950s that uh, it shut down completely in terms of cedar manufacturing. And Mr. Krigger was the one who closed it. He had bought it from the Pattersons. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, Krigger had a grocery store, and uh, he put it out in front of the store there on Southeast Broad mm -hmm. as a an attraction. That's where I remember seeing the bucket originally. Mm -hmm. uh, when the Kriggers uh, were closing down their business, he offered the bucket to the city uh, as a historic artifact, which it certainly is and was at that time. The city wasn't interested. So he sold it to some people in Georgia who were opening a, an amusement park. And uh, it went down to Rossville, Georgia. And it was part of the 
decor, I guess you'd call it, of this amusement park. Uh, it would have been great at Cannonsburg. Yeah, well, Mayor, West, it. Mayor Westbrook did. Mm-hmm. Mayor Westbrook made it a bicentennial project to create mm-hmm. Cannonsburg. First time there had ever been any Cannonsburg uh, mm-hmm. anything in this area. And uh, he negotiated with the Georgia owners and bought the bucket back. Uh, the city at that time acquired it, reacquired it, and moved it back up and put it on display in Cannonsburg. Mm-hmm. And it remained there from about 1976 until 2005 is when uh, someone maliciously um, vandalized it by, I think what they did is threw a burning something into the bucket. Mm-hmm. So it began burning from the inside out. The last time I checked, which has been a good while, the remains of the original bucket are uh, still retained down at Cannonsburg in a secure area, and there's a little plaque on it. Mm -hmm. But the blacksmith also, studying the bucket, uh, created a replica of the big bucket. And again, last time I checked, it's down there in Cannonsburg with an explanation on it. Uh, so the remains of the bucket uh, are still part of our artifacts, but it'll probably never move again uh, because it's rather fragile. Uh, the blacksmiths didn't do enough to kind of stabilize what was left and uh, also studied it in order to do a replica of it. Uh, but if we had had a museum, maybe we could have protected it back then. Uh, before it was damaged. Couldn't put it in the courthouse. I don't know. It'd probably fit right there in the main hallway where the secu- you think so? Where the security desk is. It uh, uh, would be a little awkward getting it in, but once it's in, it it uh, might fit. Uh, there is a little bit of a museum down there in Cannonsburg. I think it's called the Haynes Museum, and uh, it has some uh, interesting old pieces. And we need to talk to the city about. Uh, the relationship between the county museum and that little Cannonsburg Museum uh, and the future for the Cannonsburg Museum. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It, it's, it's, um, it'll never end as far as the history is concerned of this county. We it'll keep, continue to grow. We keep it, what making a, what history. A great, you know, what a great attraction for, for this country to, to take them back where where the times were good and and the people were just so friendly and you can't find a friendlier place than this area right here and a lot of them will probably decide you know i don't think i live like living in california or new york or whatever i'm going to murfreesboro tennessee (laughs) and they're coming and it's happening already they're coming Uh, yeah I remember the media not long ago, somebody in the media said we are one of the four or five fastest growing counties in the entire country. Yeah. I'm not sure how you'd figure that out, but uh, I do know that uh, recently we were told that if you want to sell a house fast, you can sell it faster in Rutherford County than any other county in Tennessee. Yeah. Less than 10 days is the average market time for a residence. But people... In some instances, just like me, you know, I was thinking about selling, going to sell it, 
and then all of a sudden I don't want to sell it. I mean, why else? Why would I move from something that that I'm just blessed to have, and I just don't uh, I don't feel that I could ever do that. Well, as for the in migration from California or wherever, if they're coming here because they appreciate what we have and they're willing to uh, work with us to preserve it and enjoy it, then come on. But if anybody wants to come down here and change our ways uh, over, you're going to have to walk over several of us. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'll see you next week, Truman. Okay, Greg. We'll see you in the morning at night. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.